When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Lock and deal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. Happy hump day, Duval, and welcome to the 47th episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by my co-host, Scott Klein. How are we doing today, Scott? Oh, man, it's fantastic. I don't know what it is about this week, but it just it feels right. Something just feels better than <laughs> it, it did right. last week? <laughs> Interesting. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the Jaguars beating the Steelers Ooh. down in Pittsburgh. It's got to be one of the most exciting wins for the Jaguars of the last decade, easily. Yeah. Probably the best win since, at least since Maurice Jones-Drew left. Yeah. And it's, and looking at the schedule... Probably one of the ones you would have picked most likely to lose. Absolutely. Because, no question about that. Yeah. So, have a day, Jaguars. We're proud of you. Again, this is the 47th episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. You can hear Scott Klein pouring some Bold City Brewery beer over here. And um, big shout out to Bold City Brewery, as always, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag Podcast. They're having an anniversary party, nine-year anniversary on October 21st. $2 pints all day over at their Roselle location in Riverside. Check them out at BoldCityBrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BoldCityBrewery. They've hooked us up with some awesome beers here today. We've got an Oktoberfest, which is obviously very fitting. We've now got a pumpkin ale that they have out at their downtown location, which tis the season, correct? Yeah, I guess. I never got big into the pumpkin Scott's craze. not a pumpkin guy. I like, I, I'm like, you know... White girling it up over here. I, I like the pumpkin beer. I don't love a lot of pumpkin stuff in general. I don't like pumpkin pie or anything like that. It's okay, but I can deal with some pumpkin beer. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm a minority. I don't like anything <laughs> pumpkin. The smell is okay. I can handle the smell. It's, okay, it's, it, it it can be pleasing at times, but the, I just can't. I can't eat anything pumpkin. I don't enjoy drinking anything pumpkin. I'm not going to go to Starbucks and get a pumpkin spice latte. So, Miranda, if you're listening, no pumpkin stuff this year. She's she's already full-blown. She there's nothing I can do about that. She just knows not to get drag me into it. True that. Well, follow Scott Klein at ScottKlein1 on Twitter. Follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And, of course, follow Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Search Generation Jaguar. will pop up for you. We've still got some Lord Ramsey shirts available on our website, genjag.com. You can go check those out. Um, not too many left, so if you're interested in getting a Lord Ramsey shirt, now's the time to do it. Again, that's genjag.com. You can click on the genjag gear tab. Uh, we've got a tailgate this weekend. First tailgate in quite a while. This is only the second 
uh, Jaguars home game. Obviously, officially, the London game is a home game, but this is the only home game, or only the second home game actually played at Everbank Field here this weekend as the Jaguars take on the Rams. Four o'clock kickoff. That's yeah. exciting. We don't see those too often. No, the last four o'clock kickoff the Jaguars had at home was two years ago against Miami, and I believe the second week of the season. So this week, un- instead of uh, starting at our normal nine o'clock for the tailgate, we're gonna push it back a few hours to <laughs> noon. So uh, you can see us out there at noon. Come out, party with us. Tailgaters parking. You can become a member of Generation Jaguar. All members get to eat and drink for free at the tailgates. Get a bunch of other cool stuff as well. So uh, we'd love to see everybody out there. Tailgaters parking, row C and D starting at noon on Sunday. Can't wait to have another home game. Are you going to be able to make it out this weekend, Scott? There's some logistical things we're working out. The wife's trying to figure out our work schedule, but we're going to try, definitely try to make an appearance. Cool. Well, we obviously hope to have you, obviously, and... Uh, We'd be remiss if we didn't bring up our other co-host, Hunter, who's not here with us still. He's in the middle of football season coaching up Creekside. Did they have a game last week? Do you know? I believe so. Um, Oh, yeah. I think they played Episcopal and beat them pretty handily. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, Tony and Mark over there (laughs) at Episcopal. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. We got to root for our boy Hunter there. But you can follow him on Twitter at Coach H underscore Evans. And that'll do it for the shout-outs. We've got a lot to get into today. Recapping the Jaguars' awesome win over the Steelers, 30-9. to Didn't give up a single touchdown to the Steelers, which is just incredible based on what you were expecting heading into that matchup. Mm. Uh, we've got the preview of the Jaguars-Rams this weekend. Uh, both teams leading their divisions, Jaguars leading the AFC South, Rams leading the NFC West. Both teams 3-2. and two. We'll look at that game, break it down. We'll look around the AFC South. We've got an AFC South uh, matchup this week between the Titans and the Colts. So that's always exciting when there's two teams playing each other from the division. And we've got a lot more to get into, pro football focus, minutes, and a few other things for y'all. Let's start with the Jaguars-Steelers recap. Again, Jaguars went up to Pittsburgh. 2-2 two and two record heading into Pittsburgh. Coming off a terrible loss against the Jets. Embarrassing loss. Going to Pittsburgh. Defense just shuts it down. Running game gets it going in a big way. Best running game they've had this year. And the Jaguars win 30-9. It was just, Where do we start? It was just fun. It was it was it was a little nerve wracking the first half. Yeah, the first half really played out a a lot like the first half against the Titans for the Jaguars in Week Two when the when the Titans really came out kind of like the Jaguars did in the second half and just put it on them. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, getting four turnovers in the second half is definitely. I think it was in the game plan actually. But that's definitely an easy way to get a get a road victory. No I doubt mean, about it. The defense was balling out on every level. Um, the pass rush wasn't there fully in the first half. Things started kicking up in the second half, causing a couple of these Ben turn uh, Ben Roethlisberger turnovers. A couple of them were just guys making plays. Um, defensively, you couldn't ask for more. 
Um, yeah, Antonio Brown got yards. He's probably a top two wide receiver in the NFL. It didn't feel like he got as many yards as he did watching the game, though. Yeah. When you look at the stats, I believe he had over 150 receiving yards. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that came on one big play on the first drive. Yeah. And, you know, he did make some nice plays throughout the game. He's going to do that. He's Antonio Brown. He's a heck of a football player. I did not think he would be able to have nearly that nearly that much success, but it just shows how good he was when literally the rest of their team was completely shut down. Right. And Le'Veon Bell did a little bit. He was actually more effective as a receiver than a runner. Yeah. After the first couple drives, where on the first couple drives, Le'Veon Bell was doing some things in the running game. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit worrisome. The Steelers were able to drive the ball down the field, but the Jaguars' defense did a little bend-but-don't-break act and uh, held them to field goals. One of the reasons the Jaguars have been so good in red zone defense, and they were so good against the Steelers, was... They're starting to deploy uh, A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey at free safety. Mm-hmm. So they'll put Tashawn Gibson over a tight end. They'll put Barry Church in the box. And this is in clear running situations, which you have a lot of those in uh, red zone. And then have Jalen or A.J. play free safety, both of whom feel confident playing that position. Both of those guys, you don't really worry too much about tackling issues. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously great cover guys. So you're able to keep one of your best players on the field when you go into a uh, a clear run defense, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. I mean, anytime you can get those guys on the field, you, it'd be so hard trying to take Jalen Ramsey off that field. Yeah. Just, try, just trying to talk him into it, number one. And number two, just taking your best football player right now and just sit him on the bench. I mean... The, the things they were able to do um, were, were incredible. The Steelers helped them out by just completely abandoning the run game in the second half. They sure did. It was, it was bizarre. I mean, it was noticeable when the game was going on, but then we went back and counted it, and they only ran the ball like six times in the last 30 minutes of the game. Yeah, they tried to do the opposite of what the Jaguars <laughs> yeah. tried to do in the second half, which was just pound the ball for the Jaguars. Blake Bortles only had one pass attempt in the second half. He only completed eight total passes, and that's not some huge indictment on him. He wasn't asked to complete a ton of passes. He did miss one pass uh, down the sideline that would have been a touchdown to Marquise Lee. Yeah. But, you know, we're not expecting Blake Bortles to be a world beater. We're expecting him to not lose the game for the Jaguars. Yeah, and I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. He right. came out there, he made, he made some throws. He had a couple drops. I know Mercedes Lewis had yeah. a tough one in the first quarter that would probably would have gone for a first down. But, you know, it's not like he had a terrible game and they were just forced it forced their hand to pound the rock. They just they had just what they wanted, wanted to, to do. The they yeah. had they had a drive starting I think it was at their two yard line and they, they ran the ball thirteen straight times and got a field goal and ate up like I think five, six minutes off the clock. Yeah. It was, it was impressive. Huge. They asserted their will. The offensive line manhandled the Steelers' defensive front. Really, it was the best offensive line performance in terms of the run game that we've seen this year by far. Pass protection wasn't perfect. Leonard Fournette did give up a sack. And then uh, the Jaguars got mixed up on a stunt that also allowed another sack. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, giving up two sacks is not the end of the world. And I and I feel like the flow of the game was so much better for the Jaguars this time around. Um, as far as the usage of Fournette yeah, and keeping him in the game on third down, yeah. short yardage, key situations, but but finding areas to where you can sneak him off the field, right? And Chris Ivory could still have success. I right. mean, he broke a couple a couple runs that went for 10, 15 yards. You know, he 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 wasn't he wasn't having a ninety yard touchdown, but he was effective, and that's that's all you ask for from your backup running back, and yeah. Fournette got a ton of carries, but he's supposed to. That's, That's your right. guy. No doubt about it. And he's the one inflicting the pain, not yeah. the other way around. It looks like he doesn't even feel it when defenders bring him to the ground. Speaking of that 90-yard run, Leonard Fournette's jersey from that game, specifically from the 90-yard run, is going to Canton. That's cool. <laughs> I, bet, I bet Leonard, I bet he expects to get to Canton one day. I don't yeah. think he expected <laughs> to get to Canton in his fifth game of yeah. his career. Uh, he's the youngest player in NFL history to have a 90-yard touchdown run. And so Canton called up the Jags, and they were like, can we get some of that? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Mike DiRocco had a nice joke, the Jaguars ESPN beat reporter. Uh, he was like, if you look closely at the jersey, you can still see pieces of Mike Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which leads us to Mike Mitchell. Leonard Fournette uh, had, had some fun with Mike Mitchell this weekend. Do you want to... Do you want to get into that? Yeah, yeah. He, they. I guess they had been going at it all game. You know, Mike Mitchell is a Steelers safety. Yeah. Yes. Um, I posted. I was watching some game film, and I posted a video of Fournette just absolutely running him over. And there's a play. I think it was in the fourth quarter, uh, third or fourth quarter. I know it was later on in the game when we were kind of pulling ahead. Um, he he. Bounces a run out to the outside, stiff arms Bud Dupree, and like beautiful stuff. It was, and just let, let, left him on the ground. And then all of a sudden, he's looking up, sees Mike Mitchell coming at him, and he's waving him on, like, "Come on, come get some." Yeah, you don't see that much. I mean, I don't. Whew. That was something else. The, the sideline lost it. I can't think of a time where I saw a runner motion towards come on a player come during on. the middle of the play. Come hit me. It's just it was so, that's so cool to see. I didn't even notice it at first. I had to go back and because I, I I heard people talking about, and I was like, what are they talking about? But just challenging somebody and saying, hey, I'm gonna meet you at the thirty yard line. Yeah, bring it on. Show me, show me what you got. Despite Fournette getting a first down on the play, Mike Mitchell popped up and was really <laughs> excited to have made the tackle, apparently. I, lo- I love how he started like holler- screaming and hollering, and then Fournette gets in his face, and he just kind of turns away yeah. and turns his back to him. Like He doesn't want any of that. No. No one wants any of Leonard Fournette, and I guess it is celebrating, worth celebrating every time you get him to the ground, even if it's after a nice run. Hey, he didn't go 90 on you. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yeah, and now getting back to that 90-yard run, a lot of people didn't understand why Fournette was worth a fourth overall pick. That is why Leonard Fournette is worth a fourth overall pick. That's why he's an elite talent. He's got great vision, patience, agility, power. But he separates himself from other running backs because he can reach top speeds that other guys can't reach, and he can sustain those speeds. Mm-hmm. You saw... Uh, 
Pittsburgh defensive backs trying to chase down Fournette from behind, and they just simply couldn't catch him. Yeah. I, I, I listened to the call of the play, and before Fournette even gets behind the safety, I mean, there's still guys who they have an angle on him. Yeah. The announcer goes, he's gone. Touchdown. <laughs> and, and there's still guys in the hunt. It's, it's unbelievable. There's guys like Corey Grant who have that speed, the breakaway speed. But to have a guy who can carry the ball 28 times, and on his 28th carry, or I, I know it was late, I don't know if it was his last one, but he's a battering ram who can sustain that many carries, and in the fourth quarter when his legs are tired, he's still running by people. That's, yeah. that's why he is truly special. Yeah, and sustaining that speed for that long. Yeah. He recorded on that carry the fastest clock speed of any ball carrier in the NFL this year. Think about that. Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Deshaun Jackson. There's all sorts of speedsters out there. Fournette, with the ball in his hand, reached the highest speed of any of them. And he's the first to eclipse 22, excuse me, first to eclipse 22 miles per hour on the season. That's insanity for someone that big and powerful. It is. And that is why we were okay with the Jaguars drafting him. He's a different player. He's a next-level player. I mean, yeah, you could have got Kareem Hunt later, but is Kareem Hunt doing what he's doing in Jacksonville? Yeah. I don't. I mean... Does Kareem Hunt score on that play? <laughs> Alex Smith... Having Alex Smith is doing wonders for Kareem Hunt. Not yeah. saying he's not a good running back because... Clearly, he's, he's an excellent running back. But to have somebody who can just... He's not gaining chunk yards every play. Just He can just lay the wood him. and just wear a defense down. It's something different to have with that, that speed. It's just... I can't think of a, 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 a running back, really, that had such a combination of both. It's tough when you start thinking about it. You're looking at... You know, I might not have been legends like, yeah, like Bo Jackson, yeah. and I never even got to watch him watch him play in like live. And going back to another legend, Leonard Fournette's leap over the uh, over the goal line. He leaped over his offensive line, the defensive line, leaped over everybody. It looked like he was in the air for about five seconds, and. That was really reminiscent of another legendary back, Walter Payton, who was excellent at the goal line leap, getting over the offensive and defensive line to get in the end zone. That, that wasn't the goal line. That was the four-yard line. Yeah, you're right. He leaped from you know, quite a good distance, but it was a goal line yeah. type play, you know, just leaping over the, the both, line, both offensive and defensive line and getting into the end zone. I've never seen somebody attempt that so far away yeah, from the was. actual goal line. It, it was, was something unreal. Else. And he he looked graceful doing it. Yeah. He's been a just a revelation for the Jaguars at running back. Now, moving to the deep back to the defensive side of the ball. We got to just name out all the guys that got those interceptions. Telvin Smith pick 6. Uh, Barry Church got his first pick six of the year, or of his career, and his first interception of the season. Deshaun Gibson, two interceptions. He now has three on the year, which triples his 2016 total. And of course, Jalen Ramsey got his hand on on uh, the first interception. I say give him an interception and a half. He he kind of did an alley oop to, yes. to to house or to um, Barry Church. You're right. 
You're right, but you know, you don't get an interception and a half some football. <laughs> Barry Church gets the whole thing there, but obviously, great play by Ramsey as well on that one. It was amazing to see the Jaguars just really get after it. I think they only had seven interceptions all of 2016, so to get five in one game, you're just like, my God. And they've already surpassed their 2016 interception total on the year by a long shot. So it's been really fun to watch. That had to be just absolute bliss for Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone. Just watching... Just watching how that game unfolded. Shot Khan too, man. Yeah. He's been in it, in it for longer than either of those guys with Jacksonville. Seeing the Mike Malarkey go, I believe, 2-14. and 14. Uh, And then Gus Bradley having the worst head coaching tenure in NFL history. Modern NFL history. Only matched by a guy who's an owner that believed he could coach. <laughs> for the Cleveland Browns back in the day. So... Uh, good for Shad Khan. Good for the all the Jaguars. It was awesome to see, especially against the Steelers. Always good to go up and beat your old division rival. And the Jaguars now, I believe, are thirteen to eleven in the all-time series against the Steelers. Good. Which, when you look at the Steelers, they're one of the winningest franchises of all time. <laughs> to have a winning record against that franchise is just—it's special. It's a special rivalry. It doesn't have the same fervor that it used to when they were division rivals, but it's still really fun rivalry, and I think both fan bases get up for that game big I, time. I can't wait till we're good enough that people hate us again. Yeah. Right we'll, now we're we'll just the underdog fun. story that they're like, all right, cool, yeah. Yeah, the Jaguars are up and coming. They love to hate me. Can't wait for that. I'm with you, man. Uh, so the receivers didn't obviously get asked to do a lot, but they made some nice plays. Marquise Lee made a really nice play Mm. on a ball that should have been thrown about five seconds before it was uh, to get a first down. Alan Hearns was able to get a first down, I believe, on a third down. So you saw some nice things. The one real boogaboo from receivers slash tight ends in that game, besides the Mercedes Lewis drop that you referred to, James O'Shaughnessy just got to hold on to the ball when he's falling to the ground. That was such a weird play. It was. And progress probably should have been called. Yeah, I mean, he was down. He wasn't on the ground, but he was on top of another player not moving for what seemed like a second or two. Yeah. Any other... To me, it just seems like we're always on the bad end of the forward progress calls. We are. Every time time we want... Uh, forward progress to be extended yeah. on when we're playing defense as the Jaguars, it gets called way too early. Yeah. And then obviously vice versa on this one. It was, that's just really a hokey play. It's going to go down as an interception, I think. I guess. Yeah, it was an interception for Bortles, even though like prior to the game ending, I assumed it was a fumble. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. So, anyways. Moving on from the negative from that game. We don't need to think about the <laughs> it wasn't really that 30 much. to 9. So, any final oh. thoughts, Jags-Steelers game? One of the biggest things that I that should absolutely be talked about, and it hasn't really been talked about anywhere from, from what I've noticed, is how big of an impact Brad Norman had on that game. Yes, the way, absolutely. The way he could single-handedly control the starting... Uh, where the, the line of scrimmage began, we, he pinned him inside the five yard line 
a couple of times. Yeah, and he really he did that. You're right, a lot against the Steelers, but he's been doing that all year. Yeah, and that is really a secret weapon that not a lot of people talk about for the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have an offense that is going to go three and out sometimes, mm-hmm. is going to maybe only get one or two first downs on a drive due to a lack of quarterback play. Seeing Norman be able to just flip the field, that's huge. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it should be talked about more because when you're playing the style uh, that the Jaguars are playing offensively and defensively, to be able to... Eliminate the quarterback. Yeah, to just flip the field, to be able to pin somebody back and be able to, to, to hold, you know, hold them to potentially a three and out so that you get the ball in great field goal position, or field position, and you are knocking on field goal range to start your drive. Right when you get the ball, yeah. Any anytime you can put yourself in a position like that, you have to take advantage of it and it seems like every single time he was asked, Brad Norman did that. Yeah. He's a special punter, no doubt about it. Any final thoughts? Jason Myers missed an extra point, but other than that, yeah. He made it made his field goal. Um not great, but we're I guess you can live with it for now. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was a fun game. It was just awesome to watch. It was. I love having the, uh, an away, being in an away team, uh, being the away team and having the opposing fans boo their own team. Yes. And leave fun. in like the third quarter. It's always incredible. Yeah, no doubt about it. But um, it's, Hopefully, you know, we can actually put two games together and move on against the Rams and do a repeat performance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Jaguars have yet to win two games in a row this year. Yep. They obviously haven't lost two games in a row yet, but they definitely need to get their first real home win of 2016, get their first back to back win of, or I said 2016, 2017. Uh, back-to-back wins they need to get in 2017, obviously, if they're going to get to the playoffs. So, congrats to the Jags. Huge win. Very proud of them. Not a lot of people gave them a great chance in that one. I picked them. I picked them. (laughs) I will go on record saying that. And uh, Scott didn't. So, I'll pat myself on the back there. (laughs) Now, we're going to get into the Football Power Index, which is a tool created by ESPN essentially to rank NFL teams based on how they should be how they should perform moving forward throughout the rest of the season. The Jaguars are ranked 12th in the football power index, one behind the Rams, oddly enough. But they have an 82.2% chance of making the playoffs according to this football power index. 82.2. That's pretty good. I mean, yeah, that's basically saying they have to have a major collapse not to make it. Yeah. So that's awesome to see, uh, you know, based on the football power index is based on all sorts of different factors, including uh, NFL experts' opinions on teams, efficiency, offensive, defensive, past year's efficiency, all sorts of factors go into it. So for the Jaguars, I have an 82.2% chance of making the playoffs there. That's really cool. Now, to get into a little bit of why they probably are, are have such a high chance of making the playoffs, you want to look at that, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we were texting a little bit about it uh, yesterday, just looking at the schedule coming up. It's literally the easiest in the NFL. 
Tis. It's <laughs> just just going by the records. The, the the remaining opponents on the schedule are combined nineteen for thirty six. Nineteen and thirty six. I'm yeah. sorry. That's that's a good start. Yeah, that's a very good start. It's nice, and I mean, you you see the Browns coming up on the schedule. Forty ers Chargers aren't playing good football, so there's a lot of beatable teams. Obviously, the Colts are on the schedule twice. Uh, Texans, who you've already beaten, Titans, who you want to get revenge against. So yeah, but I mean, it's it's not just looking forward. It's realizing that this Jaguars defense might be for real, because I mean, we're number one in point differential. Number one in turnover margin. We're the number one team in turnovers forced. Number one team in defensive touchdowns. Okay. We're number two in points allowed per game. Yep. I'll, I'll give them that. And number, th- number three in pass yards allowed. Yep. I mean... Not bad. That's, that's insane numbers. I, in our best day, back when the Jaguars were, quote-unquote, in their prime... The defense was lights out. It was stellar. It was never that good. I don't know if it was ever this good. It was never that good. Now, one thing the classic Jaguars defenses did do was stop the run. Jaguars did that last week. They've done that a few times this year. But in both of their losses, they were not able to stop the run. Uh, Derrick Henry had a field day against the Jaguars in the second half for the Titans in the Jaguars' first loss of the season. Second loss of the season... Bilal Powell and frickin' Elijah McGuire went off on the Jaguars. Had three-plus runs of 33 yards. Two of them were a lot longer than 33 yards. And uh, really crippled the Jaguars' defense in week five. Excuse me, week four. But aside from a few bad run game, run defense performances, really two bad run defense performances, this Jaguars' defense has been lights out. Oh, yeah. So, that's awesome to see. So, Jags, 82% chance of making the playoffs. I like those odds. Yeah. I'll take them. And I don't really have a big disagreement with them here. You look at... The Jaguars probably have the easiest chance to win their division out of almost any team in the NFL besides the Chiefs at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we said, the remaining schedule's easy. We get to play got a dominant running game. Your hardest game is going to be at home against Seattle. Yeah. And, you know, East Coast teams don't like traveling West Coast. West Coast teams don't tra- like traveling the East Coast. So it's possible that Seattle comes out a little flat in that one. We can hope. Yeah. <laughs> Plus their offensive line, it might be another Houston game. Well, yeah, Seattle's offensive seconds. line is absolutely atrocious at this point. Luke Jokel, I believe, got injured again. Yeah. I mean, they even worked out Brandon Albert last week, for Christ's <laughs> the sake. The man who has no interest in football anymore. Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty desperate over there, but we'll get into that in another week. It's time for our Pop Top segment, presented by Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. And make sure to go see them for their ninth anniversary party, on October 21st, they'll have $2 pints all day at their Roselle location. We've got a really interesting beverage to get into here. A Schwarz beer. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. But it's essentially a black lager. Scott, you want to do the honors here? Yeah, yeah. I'm the only one with an empty glass right That's now, right. so I'm going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's see what this looks like. Now I gotta attempt to pour this crowler, which never ends up going well. At oh, least for me. That was good. It's got a successful crowler pour attempt. It's a good week. What can I say? Everyone in Jacksonville should be happy. Jaguars are on the money. You're on the money. Can't complain about that. Woo! That's dark. So, like the name, Black Lager, it is a very dark lager. That is a happy looking beer. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I need to chug my beverage so I can get into this Black Lager. <laughs> I don't think I'll be chugging this one. <laughs> Usually any dark beers, chugging's a no-go. But you did chug a... Uh, I did shotgun a shotgun. Dukes. Yeah. At the... Uh, what game was that? I don't know. It was the only home game so far, regular season, which was Titans, right? It was the Titans game. Yeah. Really fun pre-game. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fun first half. Not so fun second half. No bueno. But no, I mean, normally I'm not a dark beer guy. Looking at this glass, I was like, okay, here we go. I'm surprised. You about it? Yeah. All right. I can definitely like drink this. Of course, I'm not going to bash our sponsor, but <laughs> I would just withhold my judgment. But now that I actually taste it, yeah, you know, this is this is surprisingly good. All right. For my standards. I'm... My turn. My turn. Let's get it. That is pretty good. Yeah. Not going to complain about that one bit. Got a little bit of smoky flavor, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, not too much. Mm. Too much smoke gets me bad. Uh, I've had a beer at another local brewery. I'm not going to name any names here. That I just couldn't drink. Yeah. The smokiness of it almost reminded me of um, a habit that a lot of people have that I don't understand how they have it because it, the taste disgusts me, but dipping. Yeah. <laughs> um, dipping, all, it gets my like mouth salivating to yeah. where I feel like I'm going to throw up. And I got that <laughs> same vibe from that other beer. But we don't want to gross our fans out here or any of our listeners. And we certainly don't want people to associate that with Bold City Brewery. Again, this is the Schwartz, Schwartz beer. It's a black lager, 5.3% alcohol by volume. And it is delicious. Yeah, yeah, I'm... I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna get a two dollar pint of that. Hopefully, if they if they got it. Yeah, absolutely. So now we have our first home game in a few weeks. Second real home game of 2017. Jaguars Rams. Rams are three and two. Jaguars are three and two. Rams in first place in their division. Jaguars in first place in their division. New head coach for both teams, Doug Marone, the new head coach of the Jaguars. Sean McVay, 31 years old, the youngest coach in the NFL. New head coach of the uh, Rams there. And he is essentially the offensive coordinator as well. The Rams have a legendary defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips, yeah. who scares me more than anyone on the Rams' uh, defensive roster outside of Aaron Donald. <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you, Wade Phillips, he's been coaching the NFL since the 70s. Mm. 
Uh, he's the son of one of the legendary defensive coaches of all time, Bum Phillips. And Wade Phillips has become a legendary coach in his own right as a defensive coordinator. His head coaching stints haven't worked out as he would have hoped. He coached the Cowboys, Texans, and Broncos, I believe. Or no, Cowboys, Bills, and Broncos, I believe. Anyways, doesn't matter. He's probably never going to be a head coach again. But he is a defensive coordinator, and he's probably... Very good. <laughs> you gotta say he if he's not the best defensive coordinator in football, he's gotta be top three. Oh yeah. Everywhere he goes, the defense has become great. Hall of Fame potential. As as far as coaching yeah. goes. Yeah, I mean for if, me he for should have as much respect as Dick LeBeau oh, as yeah. a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And uh he's just a guy that he schemes it up really nicely for defenses. He always gets after the quarterback and his defenses always play very hard. Now, in your first year as a defensive coordinator, uh, you're working with guys that you're unfamiliar with, they're unfamiliar with you, it's not always a smooth transition, and thus far for the Rams, it hasn't been the smoothest of transitions. Uh, They've got some talented players on defense, but to this point, they really haven't been playing that well on the defensive side of the ball. But that's really not the most intriguing matchup here. The, The most intriguing matchup here between the Rams and Jaguars is the Jaguars' defense versus the Rams' offense. It might be the best matchup in football this week. Yeah. <laughs> on paper. Rams' offense is averaging 30 points a game. Uh, Jaguars' defense, like we said, giving up only 16 points a game. So it's really a battle of juggernauts on that, side, on that uh, front there. You've got Jared Goff for the Rams, who... He's coming off a subpar game against the Seahawks, but he has completely flipped the script in his second year. I wasn't a fan of him coming out of college. He reminded me a lot of Blaine Gabbert, obviously more talented than Blaine Gabbert, but that, you know, just California boy attitude, nothing's your fault. And sometimes California guys do great in the NFL. As a matter of fact, a lot of the best quarterbacks in the NFL are Cali boys, you know. Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. they actually went to the same school, but I don't mean University of California. I just mean yeah, that that you know laid back mm-hmm. style of player. But sunshine, but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't like him a lot coming out, but to this point in the season, he's playing really well. He uh, got his completion percentage up from fifty four percent as a rookie to sixty one percent this year, which sixty one percent isn't lights out, but it's for your second year, it's not bad at all. And he's got a lot of weapons to sling the rock to. Todd Gurley is the Rams' leading receiver in terms of catches. Obviously, he's also their leading rusher. But they added Robert Woods this offseason. They added Sammy Watkins via trade. They drafted Cooper Cup out of Eastern Washington, who leads uh, the FBS all-time in catches, I believe. They've got Tavon Austin, who's been bumped down the depth chart. Excuse me. Got some burps coming up here from the uh, wonderful black logger. But, again, Tavon Austin, he's been moved down the depth chart, but now he's being worked as a running back a little bit, moving all over the field. Uh, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby at tight end are both capable receivers and can present some bad matchups for defenses. So it's really a diverse group of offensive weapons. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched most of their games over the past couple of days. Um, 
the way that they move Tavon Austin around really is interesting to me. They're putting him in so many different positions with space, and that's where he's most dangerous. And that's where absolutely, and that's where Rams teams in the past have never really been able to capitalize on. Um, yeah, Jeff Fisher really struggled with Tavon Austin and. Uh, Figuring out how mm-hmm. to use him properly. There's been spurts in the past where, yeah. like, for a couple games at a time, two, three, four games where he goes off, but never been consistent. Yeah, and and Robert Robert Woods has always been a capable receiver. Um, I've always liked Robert Woods. Yeah, I mean, he's not he's, he's not gonna blow you away, but he's he's cons- he's pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, Sammy Watkins, of course, all the talent in the world. Um, Zero catches last week. Yeah, which they still seem like they're getting on the same page. They haven't really featured him very much, and he, they just they haven't been able to connect. Um, so he hasn't been really had much of an impact on their offense as of yet. He was just traded there, I think, right at the beginning of the season started. Right. Um, so he's still you know getting into the playbook. But the main the main people for me are Gurley, obviously. He's the number one target. And then a guy like Tavon Austin, who, like you said, is falling down the depth chart. But just to at me at the wide receiver at, position. At, he's still yeah. getting used. No but doubt about it. He just he seems like a guy to me that can give this particular Jaguar like this and Jaguars defenses in the past just fits. Where it's not necessarily okay, here's a wide receiver just going one on one against the corner. It's Okay, maybe Colvin's having to chase him down the line of scrimmage, and then they snap it and give him a quick handoff, and he takes just a jet sweep and yeah. gets to the edge. Right. Just different things like that where they create little wrinkles for him that really have me kind of a little bit worried about what they are going to draw up for him this week. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that the biggest concern for the Jaguars' defense against the Rams' offense. Really, and against any offense for the Jaguars defense, is just giving up the big play. Yeah. Because this defense on a down-to-down basis is going to outperform almost every offense in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I, I but th- it's just the big play. Yeah, I, I think it was Ryan O'Halloran who said, it's a simple scheme. They don't change a lot. They just think that they have, they just think their guys are better than your teams. Which they are. Yeah. So, I mean, it, Nobody's perfect. I mean, obviously, the first play of the game this past week, Antonio Bryant got a 50-yard catch off. Brown. Uh, Antonio Brown. Keep I don't, I don't know why he keeps saying Brown. Giving Antonio Bryant way too much credit, man. I'm sure he loves you for it. He's like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> but he, like, okay, he pushed off a little bit. But even then. It was weird, though, because Ramsey kind of was, like, falling into him. Yeah. And then. All of a sudden, there was separation somehow. Yeah. So and Ramsey mentioned that after the game, he was like, "Yeah, Brown pushes off a little bit. He does it so subtle. He's a great receiver. Yeah, he gave really him his credit. It, he's not DeAndre Hopkins. That, that guy just is blatant as hell and doesn't get called for it. Yeah. But I mean, there's always potential for a big play. The pass rush has really been the difference this year to eliminating those because they just don't have time to let the big plays develop. Right, and that's why the big plays have come in the run game yeah. against the Jaguars so far this year, for the most part." Uh, like we saw plenty of times against the Jets. But speaking of that, let's talk about Todd Gurley. It seems like he's probably priority number one for the Jaguars' defense. Yeah. 
So far this year, he has racked up some big-time stats. I believe he has over 600 uh, scrimmage yards, 640-some-odd scrimmage yards, I believe, in just five games, seven total touchdowns, three receiving, four rushing. So that's really impressive. Uh, he's been great as a receiver. That's something you got to concern yourself with if you're Telvin Smith, Miles Jack, Jaguars safeties, Barry Church, Deshaun Gibson. And the thing about it, though, you look at Gurley, he's doing really well. He's averaging over four yards a carry. He's all over the place with the receiving game. But he hasn't been perfect. Hmm. He has fumbled in four out of the five games so far this year. So the Jaguars' defense obviously knows that. Yep. They're going to be trying to strip that ball as much as they can. And speaking of the Jaguars' weakness, which is giving up big run plays... Todd Gurley only has two runs so far this year of 20-plus yards. Is that saying that he can't get longer runs? Absolutely not. Uh, Leonard Fournette's longest run going into the Week 5 matchup with the Steelers was 17 yards. And you saw him take it to the house (laughs) for 90. So, we're by no means saying that Todd Gurley can't score from from. Longer range than 20-plus yards or can't get long long runs. But perhaps the receivers aren't blocking downfield as well as the Jaguars' receivers are. Uh, it's odd to think that he's had so many yards and so much of an impact, yet there's still only two runs of 20-plus yards so far. And that just to me, that just shows consistency in the offensive line, being able to create holes and just getting chunk yardage regularly. I mean, this, this offensive line has transformed from last year. Right. Seemingly. And we've got Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. Which he's been one of the best left tackles in football for some oh, time. Yeah. Even though he's old, he's still a hell of a player. And they added a few more guys, too, to the offensive line. Yeah, but, I mean, it just day and night from last year, that's got to be a huge – there's got to be a huge difference in what seemingly was going – this year was going to be a – prove it kind of year because there's been whispers of Todd Gurley maybe not being quite the guy we thought he was in his rookie year. This is absolutely a resurgent year for him. Mm -hmm. Instead of taking the uh, (laughs) what was the Alabama running back that fizzled out really quickly? Uh, Trent Richardson. Instead of taking the Trent Richardson route and uh Following up a crappy sophomore season with an even worse third season, Todd Gurley has absolutely flipped the script from his last year. And he wasn't bad last year. The Rams were bad as a whole. The offense was bad. He didn't have much help. Mm -hmm. It was easy for defenses to slow him down because he was the only thing they had to worry about. But he certainly is having a resurgent year. At this point, he... He could very easily be the all-pro running back. Yeah, I mean, he's... I think he through the first three games, he, he was the only player besides Calvin Johnson to have at least six touchdowns, I believe. Impressive right there. So, it's it's a good start. I mean, it, it, if he can keep it up throughout the year, he's going to have some stiff competition from, from our boy, Leonard Fournette. Yeah. And Kareem Hunt, obviously. Yeah. Now, uh, the Rams, you mentioned their offensive line's much improved. They've only given up six sacks this year. 
Do you think the Jaguars' defensive line that leads the league in sacks will be able to expose them a little bit? I think this... Do you think they need to expose them a little bit? I think they absolutely can. I mean, the best defense they've faced was the one against Seattle last week. Um, even even the Redskins, a few I think it was week two, gave them fits. Yeah, they um, only put up. Yeah, it was week two. Rams only put up twenty points against the Redskins that week. Which... Yeah, they were. I mean, their defense was playing so well and pressuring them all day long. Um, I mean, we have all the momentum in the world. I mean, nobody that they have played has a secondary like we do, even with the Legion of Boom. Yeah. Um, which goddamn, we still can't get it. Figure out a nip, nickname for our guys. It's okay. People are in the the local media are trying to force it. It's not good. It's it just, needs to come naturally. Yeah. I've seen the shutdown squadron. That doesn't sound good. Yeah, I saw the it's teal curtain. Syllables. It's cl- the teal curtain's good. fine, but the curtain, the whole reference with the steel curtain, yeah. the curtain in general, is obviously a play on the Steelers, but also it refers to the defensive front. Yeah. Um. So you know, there's a lot of different stuff out there. The right name hasn't found its way to Jacksonville I'm, yet. For I'm pretty sure game. if anyone can come up with the, something like this, it'd be Jalen Ramsey. He's yeah. gonna come out with some ridiculous, like spectacular name in a week or two. Yeah, hopefully they can just us. settle it for us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, going back to the defensive line, uh, the the teal curtain, as you as you will. Yeah. Um. There's absolutely opportunity. Now, like you said, Andrew Whitworth is one of the best tackles in the NFL, even if he is father time. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not going to be easy. I feel like getting a lot of interior pressure is going to be huge. Just being able to get in the face of a quarterback and making them go one way or the other can throw off all sorts of timing, make them uncomfortable. Um it's going to be a test, but the Steelers have a pretty good offensive line, too. And we were able to really affect Big Ben. Right, and uh, the Titans did, too. And yeah. the Jaguars were able to get after the passer a little bit in that game as well, despite the unfortunate score. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Jaguars' defensive line was still able to get some stuff done. So I, I do think the Jaguars' defense can get after the quarterback, I think that their primary goal again this week, though, instead of just all out to the quarterback, should be more like it was last week, which was get your damn running lanes filled mm-hmm. and be gap sound. And if and stop if, the run. And if anybody's going to beat them this week, they're going to sure as hell believe it's not going to be Todd Gurley. If I, I yeah, think that's what it be, should be, make Jared Goff beat you. Yeah. Because even what yeah, I've seen... Absolutely. Make Jared Goff throw against the best secondary in football. And, and even what I've seen, he's he's had flashes where, you know, he, this this it's really clicking for this guy. And then there's a couple throws sprinkled throughout every game where it's like, that wasn't even really close. Yeah. So I really feel like you make that clock in his head get shorter and shorter... But, you know, make sure your gap sound and Todd Gurley has nowhere to go and make them have to air it out like they did against this past week <laughs> with the Steelers who threw it 34 times in the third and fourth quarter. Absolutely. 
So let's switch sides of the ball. Jaguars offense, Rams defense. We know what the Jaguars are going to try to do. They want to just run the ball as much as they possibly can and limit the quarterback. The Ringer actually had a really interesting article about what the Jaguars are doing. It's extremely reminiscent to what the Broncos did when they won their Super Bowl. Not trying to say the Jaguars are going to win the Super Bowl or, or are even a Super Bowl contender yet at this point. But it's the same formula for success. So, uh, what do you see here? We, I see an absolute freaking Aaron Donald. Aaron I Donald is probably the best defensive tackle in football. Oh, yeah. When he's at his best. And lately he <laughs> certainly has been, if not at his best, very close to it. His running mate on the offensive line, or defensive line, Michael Brockers, has been playing well. Um, they have guys that you know of. Yeah, a lot of names that you know. Mark Barron, who is a linebacker, despite wearing, I think, number 26. And being drafted as a safety. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, with the Alec Ogletree from Georgia. Uh, who Big name. Big name. Not a big guy. Two smaller end linebackers. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see Fournette run over one or both of them. Oh, yeah. LaMarcus Joyner is a big name from Florida State at safety. Safety's been a revolving door. Yeah, uh, Tremaine Johnson, mm-hmm. huge name at cornerback. He's in his second straight year of being franchise tagged. Robert Quinn is yeah. a name that you know. I mean, he hasn't really He's been a sack monster in the past. Yeah, he hasn't really gotten it going this year. Uh, it's a defense that honestly is really underwhelming from what they thought they would be going into the year, especially with Wade Phillips at the at the helm. Yeah, and like I said, that's kind of why I was saying before it can take some time for Wade Phillips' defense to get together. But, I mean, all those guys we just mentioned, Alec Ogletree, Mark Barron, LaMarcus Joyner, Tremaine Johnson, uh, Robert Quinn, all of them are underperforming. Yeah, Robert Quinn's got a couple sacks on the year, but he's a guy you expect to be flirting with the league league in sacks at this point. It looks like maybe he's a little stiff. I don't know. What's happened with him? But he's not playing the same type of football he was a couple seasons ago. And like you said, Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers are really the only guys at this point playing very, very high level of football. Now, you, Ogletree and Barron, all these guys, they have talent. Tremaine Johnson, talent. LaMarcus Joyner, talent. But it hasn't come together yet this year. And to this point, they haven't really shown much. Yeah, I mean, they, they view, Jaguars fans will know this name. They brought in Connor Barwin. Yeah. Um, one of the guys who basically seems like he follows Wade Phillips around. Absolutely. Um, he played for Wade Phillips in Houston. Yeah, he's getting older. You know, he's not a guy who's going to be the... He's a shell of his former yeah. self, let's be honest. He's, he's a guy, <laughs> who, yeah. He was a late, late, late free agent signing, which should tell you all you need to know. About where he has it, where he's at in his career, but it's just, it's a defense where this was their bread and butter last year, and now it's a shell of itself. Yeah, we I don't mean, really know what. To, based on what we've seen, you don't expect much, but it seems like this is a defense that any given week, moving forward, Wade Phillips could scheme them up into something nice. Yeah, and it's and it's 
you would expect them to be playing much better than giving up 39 points against the 49ers a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, it's baffling. I'm, I'm sure they will be teeing off on the run, as most teams are, um, and trying to get the trying to get Blake Bortles to run the show. But hopefully this defense will make sure he doesn't have to, and they'll yeah. be the ones playing from behind. I'm with you there. It's a pretty cut-and-dry matchup. The Rams have some talent on defense, probably the best defensive tackle in football, but not a whole lot going on elsewise. And the Jaguars, you know what they're going to do. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try to limit Blake Bortles' impact on the game. And uh, that's how it's going to go. The only outlier you've really seen from that this season is uh, the the Ravens game where Blake Bortles really did go off against the Ravens passing the football. But I don't really see that happening again this week. It's possible, but I don't see it happening again. I see a heavy dose of running the football for the Jaguars. And the Rams are not playing well against the run. They're giving up over 130 yards a game against the run, four and a half yards a carry. The Jaguars have gotten it done running the ball against much tougher defenses so far this year. Yeah, and this this past weekend proves that you keep giving Leonard Fournette the ball, he's probably going to break one at some point. That's right. Feed the Beast. Feed the Duval Destroyer, which is a good nickname that was uh, <laughs> given to Leonard Fournette by one Ryan O'Halloran over at the Times Union and Jacksonville.com. So, Scott, let's get into our predictions. Jaguars host the Rams. Who's bringing home the victory? To me, this one is like going up against Steelers light. I think that they have playmakers, not in the terms of Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown. I think Todd Gurley's comparable to Bell. Yes. I don't think that Watkins is comparable to Brown. mm Mm-hmm. I think maybe the rest of the Rams' weapons on offense are maybe favorable to compare to the Steelers' yeah. other weapons. But the 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 and as far as the defensive defense goes, they have a superstar. Yeah. And then a bunch of names, who you the, just a bunch of names that you know. Um, I do have a much better feeling for whatever reason going into this game than I did the Steelers game. Um, the more I see this defense and the more the team and the offense kind of falls into understanding what they need to do to get it done, which isn't really that much, it seems like, yeah. <laughs> besides just Pound running the, the ball down people's throats. I, I, man, I feel nervous picking an even week <laughs> as being good. Yep. Because we haven't won back to... It's always been an odd an odd yeah. week win. Win week one, lose week two. Win week three, lose week four. Win week five. But, I mean, I feel good about this one. I feel very comfortable about it. Um, I think it's going to be... My prediction is probably a 21-9 game. I mean, I'm, I'm, don't... I know they have the best scoring offense in the league at this moment. Um, I know they have a good running back, which is the weakness of our defense. Um, they've been 
Tavon Austin scares me, but outside of that, I don't really see them being able to be. I don't see them being able to exploit our defense to be able to put up enough points where we will just continue eating the clock and and just pounding the rock with Leonard Fournette. Um, one thing I am worried about is what they have been successful is what I guess you potentially could call a weakness on this defense is up the seams and in kind of the middle of the field. They have done some good things. Actually, Todd Gurley had a very long touchdown, uh, receiving touchdown, uh, just a seam route, and and Goff has shown that that's one of the throws he's more comfortable with. But even then, that's not really a weakness for this defense. So I'm 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 nitpicking at that point. Yeah, I'm saying I think 21 to nine is where I'm really laying. I think it's going to be another good win. The only thing that would change this for me is how many touchdowns this team score, this defense scores. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel good. It, it's weird, but I feel I feel very very good. It is like weird, going up man. against a good team. I feel good too. I don't know if I feel quite as good as you in terms of the score. I do believe the Jaguars are going to win. Uh, I think eventually the Jaguars are going to win some games where they don't blow the other team out. <laughs> I think this might be one of them. I could be wrong about that. I do think they'll win. But I just don't really buy into the Rams' offense yet. Uh, 46 of their points this year came against the Colts. 41 of their points this year came against the 49ers. Yeah. That's two teams that are going to be drafting the top five. 49ers are probably going to be drafting first overall. They're yeah. on five right now. Uh, their other big scoring output game came against Dallas, who does not have a good defense outside of Demarcus Lawrence right now. Uh, he's leading the league in sacks, but other than that, they're they're kind of giving up a lot of points. I believe that the Dallas Cowboys are 29th in the league and points allowed. They're the third worst team. Mm-hmm. They're allowing a lot of points a game. I think 29 points a game, something like that. So against good teams that have decent defenses, which is two teams that the Rams have played so far, it's the two teams that they've lost to. Uh, The Redskins, they lost 27-20, didn't get a whole lot going on the offensive side of the ball. And then last week against Seattle, they didn't do anything on offense. I mean, they moved the ball a little bit with Jared Goff's arm, but they only put up 10 points. So I don't believe that the Rams' offense is legit yet. I see they have a lot of potential. I see they can take advantage of weak defensive units. I don't think they can take advantage of this defensive unit. Mm. If the Jaguars hold... If the Jaguars do not allow them to get chunk plays of 30, 40, 50 yards multiple times in this game, I think it's an easy win. I think... I have this feeling that the Rams will be able to scheme up some big plays. So I think the Jaguars are going to win 27-21. I think it'll be a little bit closer, but I think the Jaguars will still get it done. Because let's not forget, against the Jets, it took a lot more than just the big plays to get the Jaguars to lose that game. It took missed field goals. It took uh, touchdowns that got called back by penalties. It took Paul Puzlesny getting a taunting penalty, the first of his life, I believe. (laughs) 
So it took a lot for the Jaguars to lose that game. I think the Jaguars get this done. And speaking of penalties, the Jaguars have been much better in the penalty department the last two weeks, despite there being a couple of bad penalties against the Jets. But they're much better against the Steelers. I think the Jaguars go get it done. 27-21. Scott's got... What? 21-9. Jags, baby! Alright. <laughs> I just feel... We... It's funny comparing us to, to the Seahawks, which obviously there's a it's lot... It's an easy of, comparison. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. They gave up... They won 16... Uh, Seahawks won 16-10. to 10. I think... Obviously, they're much better off at quarterback than, than we are at this time. Uh, Russell Wilson's not playing great right now, though. His offensive line is probably the worst in the league. He, has, yeah, he is true. literally running around like a madman. That's true. Um, they have, And it, it's affecting his play greatly. Oh, I yeah. I mean, he had a... can't remember who it was, but I watched some film on it. Last week, he had one of his wide receivers wide open down the middle of the field. And it's, it's right in front of Russell Wilson's line of vision. He's looking straight down the field, and he just takes off and runs. It's a third down play. I think third and 12, he gets nine yards on the run. The receiver had yards to burn. Yeah. So, yeah, Russell's not playing his best football. But, like you said, a lot of that's on the offensive line. Yeah, and so, I mean, I just I feel like we have a comparable defense to Seattle, if not better but it's which not better. St- statistically we are yeah um suck it seahawks uh, <laughs> uh are we have a better offensive Doug line Marone has done in a couple months what gus bradley couldn't do in four years God. which was replicate and even get better than what the seahawks so did. i yeah i just i i i think we follow their their recipe um they are going to have trouble scoring i feel like we're going to be able to have more success than the seahawks um just because our offensive line Seahawks don't have our O line and they don't have Leonard Fournette. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's that's where my confidence is coming from. <laughs> I'm with you. And I, I just really see a lot of similarities between the Rams schedule and the Steelers schedule. And last week it was one of those things that I said to you, I don't think the Steelers have beaten anybody that's that great. Yeah. And uh, they've even lost to the Steelers lost to the freaking Bears. Uh it's interesting, for sure. But I think the Jaguars get it done this week. Now, let's take a look around the AFC South. We've got an interdivisional matchup. Colts 2-3 and three at Titans 2-3. and three. The Colts, they're riding a bit of a hot streak, if you will. They beat the Browns and 49ers. If they don't play those two teams, they're probably 0-5. Oh, certainly. I think like, there's no question about it. It's close. So, uh, good for the Colts. I'm rooting for the Colts this week. Yeah. Beat the Titans. Titans hope, may or may not be without Marcus Mariota. Let's hope Matt Castle plays. Uh, if he plays, they got a, they got a shot. I mean, if, the, if Castle plays, I think you have to almost give Col- the Colts the advantage. Yeah, because the terrible Dolphins team was able to was able to take care of them. Right. And the Dolphins still didn't even play that great in that game. No. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. And we're not counting out the Dolphins. I'm not, at least, for the rest of the season. But to this point, they have played pretty terrible. Jay Cutler hasn't helped them out in that regard. And then the Texans, they have a shoe-in win. <laughs> I mean, they're hosting the Browns. 
Yeah, they Chris Hogan starting for the Browns. They did lose Watton Merciless they for did. the season. That's a huge loss, huge. but which that'll it. affect them, in my opinion, more outside of this matchup. Yeah, moving forward the rest of the season. They got a quarterback, a young quarterback who's just balling right He's now. He, it interesting. For he him. did kind of go Blake Bortles and get some garbage time to stat to pad the stats. Yeah. Um, but he just He's he, not perfect, he can make big but he plays. He can make some big plays. Yeah. Keep the offense interesting. He's found Will Fuller for four touchdowns already, I believe. And two uh, Will Fuller didn't come back until two weeks ago. And Will Fuller has caught them. Yes. Which is the most surprising to me. That is the most surprising thing. You would expect at least one of those to yeah. But yeah, I think Will Fuller had three targets and two touchdowns last week. Wow. So Good for him, obviously. Good for whoever picked him up in fantasy. Go Browns. Which wasn't me, unfortunately. I did try to pick him up despite him being a Texan. I will, however, say... (laughs) This is a bit off topic, but it is Jaguars related. Blake Bortles is slotted as my starting quarterback this week. Uh, My regular starter is uh, Dak Prescott. Love Dak Prescott, by the way. But there was not a lot available on the waiver wire. I mean, I could have gone with Case Keenum. But I just decided, you know, Bortles hasn't thrown many touchdowns lately. Maybe he'll get a couple this week. Maybe the, maybe the Ravens game will come back. Yeah, who knows. <laughs> and I also got rid of the Rams defense on my starting lineup. Yeah. And substituted them for the Redskins who face the 49ers. Good choice. I thought so. Glad to get your input on that. <laughs> now, uh, getting back to our regular, regularly scheduled programming, PFF Minute. Jaguars' offensive lines ranked 18 by PFF in the entire NFL, which is pretty shocking. And the way they've come up with that formula is by grading each offensive lineman individually. So I guess that's a story of maybe... Uh, the sum of all the parts is much better than any of the individuals, save maybe Cam Robinson, who is having a stellar rookie season. Yeah, and running, run blocking has not been the best. They've been great till last week. Yeah, well, even then it was a grinded out game until that ninety yard touchdown. A lot of that is on Fournette. Okay, but you're right. But prior to that touchdown run, Fournette was still over four yards a carry. I think he was at four and a half or something like that. And then it jumped up to, I believe, like six and a half after that. But, I mean, I didn't anticipate them to be that low. Starting out the season, I would have loved for them to be ranked 18. Right, yeah. But watching them play, watching how few sacks they've given up, watching Fournette be, like, watching them lead us to the number one running offense in the league, um, it's a bit surprising. Yeah, it is. It's a bit low. Now, getting to the positive side of pro football focus. Jaguars have the highest percentage of pass rushes leading to a sack in the NFL at 9.9%, which is cool. Yeah. Got to enjoy that. It's good. (laughs) They're getting after the quarterback. And speaking of getting after quarterback, Calais Campbell, fifth-ranked edge defender. He's within two points of the leader, Khalil Mack. Campbell's at 88-point-something. Mack's at 90-point-something. So 
Calais Campbell is in position to conceivably be the highest rated edge defender by Pro Football Focus in 2017. And I had some expectations for Campbell coming into this season. But he's blown away my expectations. Leadership-wise, he's been exactly as I expected. But in terms of his pass rush performance, he's getting after it. And unfortunately for him, statistically-wise anyways, a lot of his sacks end up being half sacks. Yeah. Somebody else gets there too you right gotta after gotta wrap up him. in. So, yeah, and Clayus was pissed he didn't yeah. get that full sack. <laughs> he had to share with Avery on uh, his Ben Roethlisberger sack last week. But still really cool to see all that stuff. And uh, Khalil Mack's the leader there. So It's crazy how we took a 3-4 end who was one of the best at his position. I said, nah, go play outside. And he's one of the best at his position. Yeah, that guy That's transcends crazy. scheme, clearly. Yeah. I mean, how else can you put it? He transcends the scheme. He's one of the best football players yeah. on the defensive line in the NFL. So, shout out to Pro Football Focus. We're still waiting on our check for uh, endorsing you every week. Moving on. Keep one, let one walk. Last segment of the show every single week. Last week... We had Ryan Shazier versus Miles Jack. I give the win to Jack, even though Ryan Shazier did force an interception, pick off an intercept, or get an interception. It was a fluky play. Really weird play. James O'Shaughnessy is on his back. We already mentioned it this episode. Uh, and Shazier had eight tackles, but Shazier also let the Jaguars run all over the Steelers' defense. Yeah. Miles Jack, on the other hand, was part of an effort that held Le'Veon Bell to 3.1 yards a carry and 40 something total or 40 something rushing yards. Give the win to Miles Jack. He had more tackles, nine tackles, and he's just younger and you know he's a Jaguar. Yeah. How about you? Are you on yeah, the same, I mean, same I, boat there? Yeah, I gotta agree. Give it the guy who give, give it to the guy who gave up less. Less rushing yards. Now, this is really interesting, in my opinion. It took me a while to find a comparable matchup here mm-hmm. for Rams and Jaguars. But I, this is pretty obvious. Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette. Whew. It's hard not to take Fournette as a Jaguar fan. Yeah. And after seeing what he's been able to do as a rookie. But any reason to take Gurley? He's he's a heck of a football player. Um, I mean, it's really big. It's six one hand, half dozen in the other. You know. Yeah, I mean, if you would have asked this before the season started, Gurley, there would well not a even, lot of people would have taken Gurley. I would say I would lean more the other way, okay. really, just because of how down people okay. suddenly got right. after last year. You're right about that. Um, so there's, I still think there's a little bit of a hang up to say. Which Todd Gurley is the real, real Todd, Todd Gurley? But I don't think even Todd Gurley had the kind of success that Fournette's having. I know he had a good rookie year. He did. Um, but this guy's about to put up 1,400 yards and 16 touchdowns. I mean, that's his, if he keeps season. at the same pace, which his pace to start the season wasn't that high in terms of yeah. rushing yards and statistics. Save the touchdowns. He's been scoring touchdowns every game. But, uh, 
Yeah, give me the Duval Destroyer, man. It's, yeah. You gotta you. You can't. You don't lose either way. But. And this week will be really easy to measure. Oh yeah. <laughs> just it's past the eyeball test. Yeah. Just watch. So that'll be really fun to see Todd Gurley versus Leonard Fournette. Thanks to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jack podcast. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery, and make sure to go see them for their ninth anniversary party, October 21st at their Roselle location. $2 pints all day, sure to be a good time. This has been the Gin Jack Podcast. You can follow Scott Klein on Twitter, at ScottKlein1, for all the latest Jaguars videos. Uh, highlights from week's games and uh, some sometimes angry Texas fan banter, but this week not so much. <laughs> no, I'm I'm my Twitter is a hundred percent happy right now. <laughs> That's right, uh, and you can follow myself at Jordan Delugo on Twitter. I talk about anything from Star Wars to the Jaguars to uh, I am Florida football hype over that trailer. My goodness, I watched The Force Awakens again last night. Yeah. Woo. It's too good. Thinking about it gives me anxiety. <laughs> Not even a lot. But apparently the director did confirm The Last Jedi, unfortunately. Oh, really? It's Luke. Yeah. There was, I so th- Rey's not a Jedi. Uh, yet? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Best thing about the whole trailer is the little porgs, is the little penguin looking yeah. guys. Uh, excited for those people for sure. But that's going to do it for the Gin Jack podcast. Uh, make sure to check out our website for all the membership info for our fan group. 40 bucks. You get to drink any for free at the home game tailgates. You get a t-shirt, koozie, member card, sticker. And the member card gets you discounts at several local uh, businesses. That's going to do it for our show. Thanks for listening to us. If you haven't already, please give us a review on iTunes. Those really help us out. Follow us on iTunes, on your iTunes podcasts app. Follow us on SoundCloud. And go Jaguars. Have a hell of a week. Have a hell of a weekend. Really enjoy this uh, home game. We haven't had one in quite some time, so we're pumped for it. We hope to see anybody out there at the game that's going to be out there. If you see us, come say hi. Have a great weekend, Duval. Go Jags. Thanks so much for listening to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.